0: Well, hey, whether you stumbled onto my podcast or you've been a long-time listener, I'm glad you're listening. What is this podcast all about? Well, it's about people just like me, just like you, about age 60, maybe a little older, maybe a little younger, but you, like me, are trying to figure out how you're going to do life for this next 10, 20, 30 years. How are you going to stay healthy? What are you going to eat? Are you going to exercise how are you going to do the things you really really want to do in retirement Uh, but most importantly things that i think about go along these lines how am i going to avoid assisted living how am i going to maintain my independence how am i going to enjoy life to its fullest until god says my time is done thank you for joining me i hope you enjoy the podcast Hello again and welcome to the Pushing 60 Aside podcast. I am your host Gene Fleming. It is Sunday, November the 6th, 2022 and uh, this will be the last podcast that I do as a 64 year old. That's kind of exciting. Uh, This end of this week I have a birthday coming up and and I'll be 65 and so officially I'll be a senior citizen and uh, (laughs) I, I guess I guess I don't feel like a senior citizen. Uh, in fact, a lot of people that I know that are even much older than me, I don't see them as being senior. I don't see them as old people. I see them as vibrant, intelligent, active people that are still on the go and enjoying life. And And, and they, they are role models for me because when I'm 20 years older, I want to be like some of them. Uh, just yesterday... Uh, me along with uh i guess about 7 of the people that i train in uh exercise classes uh we uh we entered a 5k race how's that uh, yeah 3.1 miles early morning got to get up on saturday <laughs> and and show up around 7 and be ready to run at 8 and, and while not all of us ran uh we made some pretty fast paced steps uh for the distance of the race, and we had a good time and we got some exercise in the mix and All of those people that participated they've been in physical training with me in classes uh for well since january and so and some of them were in training with me before then, and so they're in pretty good shape and When I threw it out there, hey, you folks want to do a five k race together. It's for a good cause. It's for our local Patriots Park, our Memorial Park. Um, interested in doing that? And I was surprised. People just jumped on it, and I brought the registration forms and collected money and and sent it to the organizer. And and by gosh, yesterday morning, bright and early, we showed up down there, and uh, and we went for a good run, good walk, had a good time. And uh, we got to fellowship with each other. That's always important. And uh, I'm really I'm really thankful for days like that where um, people that that don't that you would normally think would be going to run a foot race in the fall of the year are out doing just that you know, and the only persons we're competing with is ourselves. Uh, one of the little ladies that did the uh, run with us uh, yesterday, uh, this was her second. Uh, 5K race this fall, and uh, she told me that that this exercise and training she's been doing with us has so greatly improved her quality of life. She's doing things she never dreamed she'd be doing at this age. I don't know what she thought she'd be doing at this age. But it wasn't doing five k races and climbing mountains. It wasn't that, but yet she's doing those things, and I'm very proud of her. Her name's Jane, that's all I can say jane and uh you know and and she's a a true inspiration to me, and I just love her dearly she's she's becoming a great friend and um but tonight, I wanted to talk about uh seniors and emotions. Oh, that doesn't even sound fun, does it? I do have a degree in psychology and a master's in counseling. Uh, and I used to do counseling, but uh, I burn out on it. It, it. I guess I was too tender-hearted or something other because uh, I, I tend to worry too much about some of the, the clients I dealt with doing that. I, I'd much rather be a personal trainer and, 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 and coaching fitness than um, dealing with issues of the mind and the heart. But I did learn a lot in in my studies and in in my work as a clinician. And, um, you know, the one thing that I learned a lot about was the emotional states of people. And when you think of your emotions, maybe you think about watching a beautiful love story in a movie, you know. And it is so intense to you that you find yourself with tears streaming down your cheek. Even men do that. Uh, A tear coming out of the corner of your eye because you're moved emotionally by the scene and the romance and the commitment and the sacrifice and whatever's going on in this story. Um, You know, and those involuntary tears of joy are, are are genuinely a blessing you know i mean it's it that something can stir your heart and you and motivate you in your thought processes to where uh you feel a surge in your chest and then a tear rolls out, and you kind of reach up and blot it dry and hope nobody else in the room or the theater is seeing you with with tears. But then when you look around, there's a lot of other people kind of drying their eyes, too. And I don't think it's because we're ashamed that sappy movies make us cry. Um, Funny things can make us cry. Really sad things can make us cry. Um, But there's four main emotions I wanted to talk about tonight. And I'm not going to be too long-winded with this podcast because uh, uh, it's not necessary But I want to ask you the question tonight, uh, what's your strongest emotion? I mean, which emotion of the four that I'm about to give you is the one I'm most likely to uh, see in you when I encounter you as a person? The four emotions are anger, fear, sadness, and joy. Now I read descriptions of what each one of those are, and then I picked joy to be the place I'm most often in. I'm in a state of joy. And I might want to call that uh oh feeling connected, feeling a little ecstatic, feeling energized, maybe excited feeling in a friendly move, maybe I'm happy and hopeful, maybe uh, my love connection with my wife and and some of my clients too, I love them as friends, Um, you know, I love them and and I feel appreciated by them and loved by them at some level, and um, so most of the time I find myself feeling relaxed, you know, not particularly tense, not depressed, not particularly worried, and physically I feel strong, and inside the core of me, since this is the month of Thanksgiving uh, here, um, I feel thankful. I feel thankful that I got a second shot at being healthy and and getting my health back and and getting on with my life and and doing. Um, what I'm doing right now—doing a podcast, teaching classes, going for a 5K run on a Saturday morning—and uh, and so uh, I feel like I've I've got purpose. And and don't get me wrong—I'm not saying my life is perfect. Uh, far from it. You know, it's it's got its little ups and downs and hills and valleys. But uh, but I looked at the other um, emotions. So we said anger, fear, sadness, and joy. And I I looked at fear, and some things that would fall under the uh, the fear category is is being anxious, being avoidant. In other words, not wanting to be around some people or some situations, being cautious, uh, being concerned, being fearful, maybe even being frozen with fear, uh, literally being scared of something, the unknown, or... or, um, Maybe it could be spiders and snakes. I don't know. But that emotion that we have, maybe high places. You know, um, I can stand on the edge of a cliff and it doesn't faze me at all. My wife, on the other hand, uh, all she can think about is uh, getting away from the high place to where she can see a great distance all around her on flat land. So fear And, uh, you know, so I read this description of fear that could involve being a little bit panicked, being overwhelmed, being stressed, uh, being maybe even terrified, you know, maybe like when you're watching a horror movie that really, really scares you. Uh, How about feeling vulnerable? Uh, There's fear in feeling vulnerable that I feel like somebody's, uh, I can be taken advantage of or and uh and also, in fear, we find worry we we worry about things we're afraid of and um and so it's a lot of adjectives there that talk about what comprises this broad emotion of fear. Then I looked at the other emotion, sadness, and wondered how um it affected me and And so when I think about sadness, I go back to some periods in my life where I lost people, dear friends and relatives, who meant the world to me and had been special in my life for a long time or maybe just for a season of time. Uh, But the sadness when I heard that they were sick or maybe I was caught by surprise and heard that they had passed And, and that sadness. So sadness comes about in a bunch of different flavors, you know. uh, We can be kind of sad, very sad, just absolutely broken, you know. We can be in a heap of tears, just uh, tissues and tears, as I like to say. Uh, But in sadness, we find emotional states of uh, being apathetic, being depressed, being disheartened, being disappointed, being disillusioned. Maybe even being embarrassed, uh, being grief-stricken, uh, maybe even guilty, hurt, lonely, needy, raw, regretful, rejected, ashamed, stuck, tired, weak. And we can feel sad with all of those elements possibly being featured in our sadness. And... um So I looked at that, and I said, yeah, I've had sadness, and yeah, I've had depression at some times. I've had disappointments, and I've felt grief-stricken several times. I've felt lonely a few times. Uh, I've had regrets, you know. I look back at some things in my life, especially the early years, my teen years, and early adulthood and uh, I have regrets about some of the things I did and some of the things I did not do and some of the things I (coughs) should, excuse me, should have done. But, you know, so that kind of makes me sad, but it doesn't take me down into the pit of despair where I'm uh, just, you know, just unusable, unserviceable, uh, unmotivated... uh, just trapped there in my sad state um you know as winter's coming here uh you know i'll spend a lot less time outdoors well i'm gonna tell you i love the outdoors and i love sunshine i love vitamin d and when the dark of winter comes and the cold weather's here and and uh it's cloudy and for days on end uh the thought of being trapped inside uh during those periods makes me kind of sad And for that reason, I try to run right on through the winter. If I can find a day where it's at least above 20 degrees, you know, I will sweatsuit up and and go do a few miles. Uh, It's good for me. It's invigorating. I hate it. I love it. (laughs) You know, but uh, I need to not allow myself to become depressed just because of the season of the year. And I mentioned the holidays earlier. Some of us have great families and great holidays, and some of us don't. Uh, some of us have family get-togethers, and some of us don't. Some of us can't wait to see the family again, and some of us hate every time there's a family gathering. You know, there's there's differences among us, and that doesn't make the way I handle the holidays right and the way you handle them wrong or better or worse. It's just, you know, how does it make you feel? You know, what what, what, do, what do you... Do you come out of a, a, a family get-together or a reunion and feel uplifted by the experience and the people you talked to and the time you had? Or do you come out of that um, feeling somehow injured and depleted and and exhausted from the whole affair um many years ago i realized that um you know i don't come from a family of gift givers and so i don't expect anything from uh for christmas i really don't expect anything from my birthday my wife always asked me what would you like for christmas this year and i normally say something like running shoes And she'll say, well, you know which ones you want. Go ahead and buy them. (laughs) But this pressure of feeling like we have to get the perfect gift for somebody um, and not knowing what to get, and then we give it to them, and we're all excited because we spent maybe hours, days, or even a longer period of time looking for the perfect gift, and we give it to them. And you can tell by their reaction, they're like, "Uh, what'd you give me this for? I don't even like this color, you know I'll never use that and I used to know somebody that i, I gave a Christmas present to every year and and after many years, uh she gave all that stuff back to me and and it wasn't a it wasn't a re gift thing she said you know, I don't have any need for this stuff. And uh, she was a family member uh, and she gave it all back to me. And I said, well, well, that's, that's nice. You just stuck a, you just stuck a dagger in my heart. But uh, I I thought you really appreciated these gifts. So holidays evoke differences, uh, different emotions in us. And some of us may even have fear and dread. There's that fear word again some of us may have fear and dread that the holidays are even coming. And some of us are so excited about the Christmas holidays and about decorations and about Thanksgiving dinner. And, and, you know, we're just sitting on pins and needles waiting for those days to happen where we can see everybody. And if you've got that, I envy you just a little bit, but I I come from a family that has disintegrated over the years. And, uh, you know, the, the, people that held our family together when I was a kid, they're all, they're all gone now. And, and when my grandfather died, the family kind of died. And so those family get-togethers are no more. And besides, a lot of my aunts and uncles, even my own parents are deceased. And so those of us kids that grew up on the farm and grew up with that life with my grandfather, we're scattered all over the country. And most of us don't even know where the rest of us are. So we've talked about joy, and we've talked about fear, we've talked about sadness, and each of us should experience these emotions from time to time because nobody is joyful all the blessed time, and hopefully nobody is living in a constant state of of fear, maybe being agoraphobic, even afraid to leave the house, to go in crowds, to go to a public place to shop, or or any of those things, you know. And God forbid anybody would be just sad all the time. Um, there was a cartoon character I remember called Schlepprock, and, um, and he was like, oh, he was just so sad all the time woozy woozy wow wow i think that was his line um in the cartoon and uh and wherever he went there was a dark cloud over his head and he was just so pathetic and so sad and couldn't see the good in anything and and uh and he was hopeless and and so i hope that in an ideal world we would experience lots of joy some fear sadness when it's appropriate and uh, that we hang out in those three emotions most of the time. And that's not to neglect anger; it has a legitimate place in our in our psychological makeup too. But um, anger scares me, and I, and I'll tell you why. This is a little bit of a, a personal. Um, of course, it's all personal. It's my podcast, but uh, a little personal insight to me. Yeah, I've got lots of joy, and I feel happy and hopeful and all of that most of the time. I'm thankful. I feel tough for my age. In other words, I feel like I can handle stressful situations and and um, projects around the home, you know, things like that. Um, and and so, and I have some fears, you know. Um I'm, I'm one of those kind of people, even though it probably doesn't make any sense that I teach classes, um, and I do a podcast and nobody would think that I'm actually an introvert because of the things I do, but I only, I, those are controlled quantities. I set the time when I do a podcast, um, my classes are three days a week with a break in between, um. But if I had to work on staff at the Council on Aging all day long every day, dealing with uh, many, many, many more people and many, many, many more issues, uh, I would, I, I would, I would loathe that. I, I might would be okay at it, but I run out of people energy at a certain point, and after I've taught a couple hours of fitness on my monday, wednesday and friday classes um i i turn my switch off after classes are over i come home i eat lunch i have a little conversation with my wife and then i go quiet and i may go quiet for a few hours and and because that's my preferred place to be uh, yeah i enjoy teaching and i en- i enjoy doing a podcast but uh i enjoy my solitude i like playing with my little scruffy dog and and uh i like going to play a round of golf sometimes with a partner sometimes by myself and i'm content in either place so you know uh, it's it's a perfect sport for me you know it's solitude and and uh, and i do my best thinking when i'm by myself but um and you know sometimes when i reminisce uh sadness pops up you know i'm kind of sad that uh you know my parents are 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 both gone and, and just about all my uncles and aunts and and uh, everybody else is scattered to the wind. I would I would like to have a, a family reunion someday, but I doubt that it'll ever happen um because I wouldn't <laughs> this sounds terrible. I wouldn't want the stress of stress of organizing it, but uh back to anger. What 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 is it about anger that gives me fear? To say that I'd never been genuinely angry would be an outright lie. I have been so angry on a few occasions in my life that I didn't trust myself. And when I get angry, um, I, I feel the need to instantly start reining myself back in because... Only a couple of times have I seen myself get so angry that um, that I became physically aggressive or demonstrative. You know, I've never been a person that thought that breaking something would help, but I can think back to a few times where I got really angry one time with uh, uh, my kids and I was so disappointed, and it was over, they had lied to me, uh, my boys had, Uh, I was so angry that they lied over nothing, and then I walked out the back door, and I had a glass of iced tea in my hands, and I was so fuming mad in that moment that I turned and threw that glass of tea against the house and shattered uh, the glass. Now, I felt pretty stupid that I did that, but somehow I felt relieved as well because the anger was really strong in me, um, because I had tried to raise my boys right, and I'd always tell them, hey, hey, you can tell dad the truth, you know, you can just, you know, the truth will set you free. Lying to me will get you in a heap of trouble, and they persisted in a really bad lie, and, um, and, uh, and it upset me greatly. Another time, uh, some years before that, I was uh, accused of having ulterior motives uh, to take another man's job, and he and others started a, a cycle of vicious gop- gossip that kind of uh, soiled my reputation in our community. And I was a fairly prominent member in that community. I was on the Chamber of Commerce and, you know, things like that. I was uh, I was on the county fair committee and, you know, stuff like that. And to be accused publicly of trying to steal this man's job, well, first of all, it just wasn't true. And I probably wouldn't have been so angry if it had been true, but it was so far from the truth that uh, it just crushed me. And I got so angry at the individual that started that rumor that I did not trust myself to even drive through the community where he lived. I was so afraid that if I ran into him, ran or met him in person, that um, that I would get ugly and then and, and maybe you know, punches lights out or something like that. I did not trust myself with that level of anger in me. So, so what is anger? Anger manifests itself as uh, being aggressive, being bitter, being cold, being competitive, being defensive, even being disgusted, being disrespectful, being enraged, being frustrated, being hostile, uh, being jealous, being mad, being outraged. Uh, feeling extreme pressure resentful or even repulsed or revolted by somebody Um, and i can say that with that individual that i got so angry with i was just about all of those things and 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 i couldn't sleep that's all i could think about um I kept scratching my head saying, why, 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 why would this guy talk about me like that? Why would he make up this lie and, and, and try to make me look bad to, uh, my community and my church and, and my friends. I, uh, and I couldn't, I searched and searched and searched for an answer. I finally went to him and I said, Hey, look, buddy, I don't, I don't know what I did that, um, uh, got all this started. But uh, it needs to stop. It needs to stop because it's not true. And you know it's not true. And um, and um, he couldn't even discuss it with me. So I know I had not done anything grievous toward him, his family, uh, or even his position. But uh, son of a gun, gossip and rumors are, are, are damaging things. But I found out about myself and these and a, a few other times when I got truly angry that um, I kind of get physically unnerved. You know, I feel like I'm shaking inside and, uh, and and my knees knock, you know, my legs literally shake when my adrenaline goes off. And so you might say, well, but you said there's four big emotions that, that, that kind of govern us. Anger, fear, sadness, and joy. um, How come anger's in there? Well, there's probably a right time to be angry. And because of the biological mechanism in your body that when something uh, paints you into a corner or threatens your family and and you need to respond, it's not so much about name-calling or threats or anything like that but it's about self-defense and and anger also uh, points us to look at the cause of what's going on so we can think it through and and maybe discuss it with somebody and and figure out what the source of the anger is and and resolve it without um, you know some kind of verbal or physical, Uh, lashing out and so what I'm saying is I literally do not trust the angry version of me I've seen me when I get that angry and it's 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 not a comfortable state for me and it's a state that I'd rather not be in so I'm going to take the path of the the diplomat I'm going to take the path of the uh, person who looks for logic and then I'm going to be the person that looks for a way to release it and let it go in a in a pleasant way so if somebody says something not so nice about me these days uh, I kind of feel like okay you're a jerk, I disagree with you but uh, this is nothing You know, you didn't assault my wife. You didn't kick my dog. You didn't burn my house down. Uh, You know, uh, you're just a blabbermouth gossip and likes to stir things up. I'm not going to lose sleep over you and your petty little issue, whatever it is. So what I'm really saying is I still get very disappointed sometimes with certain people or certain politicians. Um. certain issues that I don't understand to the fullest extent. I study those things and I ponder those things. And, you know, it's kind of like, uh, it's kind of like, uh, Alcoholics Anonymous, you know, part of their charter is to, uh, the, the serenity pair. God grant me the serenity to, uh, Accept the things I cannot change. Change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference. That last little part about the wisdom to know the difference. Things that are beyond my ability, my wherewithal to change. uh, I got to let that stuff go. You know, Um, if it's political, my voice is in my vote, you know. Arguing with my neighbor or my relatives about candidates doesn't do anything but make me angry. So I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to. I'm not going to rehearse those arguments in my mind. I'm not going to hang out there for days, months, even years, in a political cycle, uh, trying to pick a side and pick fights with people and stuff. I, that's not me. What I want to do is when I find myself angered or, or very uh, defensive or disrespected, is I want to get away from that valid emotion that is part of my human makeup. It's there for a reason. When I get angry, something has offended me, and I need to take note of that. And Then I need to measure it out and weigh it and say, this is worth fighting over. Uh, this is something I can't do anything about. I need to resolve it in a peaceful manner or let it go. And when I say let it go, I'm talking about, you know, I don't necessarily have to forgive that person and and I don't have to uh, forget what happened. But, um, you know, I read a book some years ago by Dr. Phil, oh yes, Dr. Phil, about toxic people. and And he kept saying over and over again, you got to let the toxic people go because they bring out the worst in you. They make you feel disrespected and and disgusted and and enraged and frustrated and hostile and all those other words under the anger emotion. And so saying that is easy. Saying if somebody offended you, turn the other cheek, walk the other way. Um uh, And also telling you to say, well, you're toxic to me and you need to be out of my life, that's hard to do too sometimes. Because sometimes people that are toxic are family and people you've known your whole life. But um, so first I had to think that I could let toxic people go. And then I had to start practicing letting toxic people go. And what they say and what they do... uh, it's really none of my concern, uh, until they come across the threshold of, of, of my house and come into my house or, or, or do something egregious toward me and my family. Um, then to me, that person basically does not exist. I don't have to accommodate them in any way. I don't have to, um, play nice. I don't have to put on a fake face. Um, no, if you're, if you're, if you're destructive and if, uh, you're full of malice toward me, you don't get access to my life. You don't, you don't get to be my Facebook friend. You don't get to come by and visit. You don't get to borrow tools. Um, you don't get to call me, uh, when you have a need no, uh, you had every chance to be a kind person, and uh, you're not. And every time I see you coming, you know, I want to drop the blinds on my house as if we're not home. Uh, I've heard your rhetoric and, and, and your BS, and I don't want to hear it anymore. And, uh, and I'm not going to give you space in my life to do the destructive thing that you do, whether it's gossip or whatever it is, um, you know, you, as my wife says, you're off the island. You don't get to visit here anymore. And um, that may sound uh, unethical to some of you when you hear me say that. But trust me, when I was talking about a toxic person, you thought of somebody somebody that you just can't stand to see coming because it's always negative and they're always needing something and they always have this way of making you feel bad because you're not doing it for them or helping them or accommodating them somehow. And um, so I've done a lot better in the last 15, 20 years of uh, seeing people that that are toxic and... I don't play golf with them. <laughs> I, I don't go to dinner with them. I, I'm not mean to them, but um, I, I don't have time for them anymore because it always comes with a cost and they make me angry and I don't want to be angry. I can go to the joy zone and and, um, and be friendly and be happy and be hopeful and and to love and be loved and to be relaxed and and be spiritual too and be content there so it's not easy just to say i'm not going to be angry i'm going to just be joyful because sometimes even joy is not an easy choice it, it doesn't feel genuine in the moment but i believe that joy improves with practicing joyful things and doing joyful, uh, things and hanging out with joyful people, uh, people that build you up rather than tear you down. And, uh, yeah, I'm still going to lose people in the years to come and sadness will come in again. And I may go through a period of mild depression at some point that could happen. And I'd be sad. Uh, I might be shameful a bit, uh you know we're all our own worst critics. Uh, nobody can pick us apart like we can, and um, you know I still want uh, I still want fear to be part of my emotional makeup. So out of the four, anger, fear, sadness, and joy, uh, fear is okay. I need to be righteously afraid of some things, uh risky things, dangerous things, harmful things. Um, it's okay for me to realize when something makes me afraid for some reason, that it makes me overwhelmed or makes me panicky. Um, you know, like I said, I'm good for a couple hours of teaching exercise, but uh, if there was a third hour, I start to fear the contact time with people because I'm I'm good with what I've got. It doesn't overwhelm me. I get joy out of it. And so it's a good balance. And that's really what we're looking for. We're looking for balance in our emotions so that we're not worrying about things we cannot fix or solve. We're not worried about people that we can't help or change or 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 build a decent, uh, kind relationship with uh, to be in a place that, that points toward health and points toward fitness and points toward uh, accommodation and unity and, um, and, and also the appreciation of where people have been and how they got to where they are today. You know, appreciate their struggles and realize that, that they too, um, they, need, they need an ear from time to time. And sometimes they make pretty good ears if you need somebody to talk to. Um, One of my better friends here locally, she's a few years younger than me, and we are politically different. Okay? I'm just going to throw that out there like that. We're different. Our philosophies are different. I love her to death, and I think she loves me to death. I think we're just good friends, but we have chosen that there is so much else we can talk about other than politics. We don't have to argue politics. We can go work out together. Uh, we can talk about events and things going on with our families and all that kind of stuff. And and so I can respect her. I respect her beliefs and her political uh, beliefs. But and But I don't have the need for her to appreciate mine, and she may not ever be able to do that, and that's okay. We can still be friends because there's so much more about her and so much more about me than who we're going to vote for that who we're going to vote for isn't a dividing factor. And there's no irony in the fact that I'm talking about voting Uh, with the United States midterm elections coming up here next week. um, Because, and I'll share this in closing. I talked to a fella the other day who's about my age, maybe a year or two younger. And he was so seething with anger. And he started rattling off politicians' names and former presidents and current presidents and whose fault this is and 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 all of this, and all I could hear was just uh, it was like he was a a ball of knots, just angered over all of these issues and the economy and and um, inflation and fuel prices and and I, all of it and and what I ended up feeling for him was I felt sympathetic for him because I thought, my gosh, he's walking around." fired up angry about this stuff all the time and that's not healthy it'll make you physically sick it'll reduce your quality of sleep, it'll affect your family life, it'll affect your work life and 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 so as our conversation was ending, I hadn't said much because I wasn't going to argue with this guy because I like him, I really like him he's a good guy but right now he's angry and 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 I I didn't want to be fake and and I didn't want to argue with him. But you know, my uh wife says, choose and I respect my wife, and we don't agree on everything either. Please don't don't think that we do. But uh my wife says, Choose your battles wisely. And those are really wise words. Um uh, Am I going to argue with this guy that I really like over issues that neither he nor I can change? The only thing we can do is go to the polling station on voting day and vote how we feel is best. And, and maybe we'll get the desired results that we want. Maybe we won't, but we're still fellow citizens. We're still neighbors. We're still friends. And, um, and we didn't have to say one cross word to each other. So there you have it. Uh, Anger, fear, sadness, joy, those four things, those are, in a nutshell, the basic emotions. And you might throw love and happiness into their own subset of uh, emotions, and granted, those are emotional states. Um, But I have learned a lot about my own emotions over the years and I'll tell you this in closing some years ago I was involved with a religious movement that was really big down on the Gulf Coast Um, it was billed as the real deal you know it wasn't a cult it's just just a big religious movement that was happening and uh, people from all over the world all over the United States were coming to Pensacola Florida and to dip their feet in the water so to speak uh, and have this experience and I can remember standing in a congregation of uh, maybe 4,000 people some nights and and people were worshipping and they were weeping uh, they were smiling they were you know just a whole mix of emotions uh, but people were desperate for uh, the reality of God. I'll, I'll say it like that. Um, I, too, got caught up in the wave of that worship and that music and those experiences and those sermons and all of that. And, and I thought to myself, wow, this is as real as it Gets it stirs my soul. There's such a thing as spirituality. This is it. This is the real deal. Um, this is this is this is it. This is it. The funny thing was, a few months later, uh, my wife and I went to to the opera. We went to the theater to see uh, Phantom of the Opera. And uh, we often went to plays and productions and operas and things like that back in those days. And I enjoyed the fanfare of it all. I enjoyed the storyline. I enjoyed the costuming, the makeups, uh, the makeups, the makeup, all of it. You know, the music, I really loved it. And so I'm sitting there in this old theater in downtown Pensacola, Florida, And the play is winding to its conclusion. And all of a sudden, I felt this deep stirring in me that felt very spiritual and moving and emotional. And I felt tears. Um, I felt um, emotional. I felt... uh, extremely moved by the story and by the actors. And afterwards, I sat back and I looked at the two things, this religious experience I'd had and this experience in a theater that I'd had. One was all about religion and getting to know God, and the other was about a phantom of a person that wore a mask that lived... In the dark recesses of a theater and and the sadness that he had experienced in his life and and all of that this this is not the same thing this is this is one's religion and one's theater. yet how I felt inside myself was almost identical. I felt moved, I felt elated I felt touched i felt uh, I felt drawn into it. And that caused me to to contemplate, wow, I've had the same experience emotionally from two distinctly different venues. And then it caused me to ask the question, of the religious one, how much was God and how much of it was music? Music and speaking, and the emotions of other people. And then with the theater, how much was music, and acting, and drama, and all of that. Surely they can't be the same emotional response from two vastly different uh, purposes. But both brought me joy. Although they were... And it felt the same, and but they were... Very different in nature. And so I learned something at that point in my life that joy is often where you find it. It can be very subtle. It can be very profound. I take joy these days in finding new forms of wildlife or at least ones that are new to me. Uh, things I've never seen before and trying to get a photograph of it. And and when I realize that I've found something I've never seen before, whether it's a bug, a butterfly, a turtle, uh, a, a type of snake, a bird, um, anything like that, when I positively identify it um, through research and asking questions and what have you, and I realize I have... Expanded my mind, and I've I've learned something totally new to me, um, that brings me great joy. But so did the birth of my daughter. It's not the same kind of joy. When certain people walk into my fitness classes, especially if they've been out sick for a while, I feel a twinge of joy in my chest, in my heart, I am genuinely glad to see them back and see them healthier, at least getting back to a place of full health. And I covet that experience with other human beings, Uh, having relationships with them that causes me to celebrate their successes and to appreciate their uniqueness and 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 have some of me that I can give to them if they should need me. And so these days, you know, I send notes to people. I I use messenger and or text messages. And I check on people that are sick and not feeling so swell. Maybe they're battling COVID. Maybe they just had surgery. Um, maybe they're battling cancer. And I find in myself a genuineness to do this. It's not because I have any other motive except to care about people that are going through a tough spot. That's all. and And I'm not trying to sound special or high and mighty or anything like that. This is something that has grown out of my own joy. It's also grown out of my sadness and out of my fears. I know what it is to go through a divorce and be utterly alone. I know what it is to fear the grim grim reaper, to really and truly be afraid of dying, even to the point of a doctor telling me I'd be lucky to see age 55, and I'm about to turn 65. So out of those experiences, I can I can be kind, I can be loving, I can be a, a minister of sorts to people going through all kinds of things because I relate. I know their fear, I know their sadness, and I know some of their anger. I mean, if I were to find out tomorrow that that I had cancer, especially if it was terminal... I would be angry, and I would be filled with fear, and I would have sadness. See, these emotions, they all fit in at the right place. But when I go to that oncologist, and he says, Mr. Fleming, I believe you've got uh, a 50% chance of beating his cancer. Instantly, my glass is half full because I'm going to choose joy over defeat every single time. And on that note, note, this is the end of the Pushing 60 Aside podcast. What does this have to do with senior living? You know, you heard the podcast. You thought about your own emotions and things that grip you and maybe fears or sadness you've had but maybe it caused you to look inside yourself and think about what really and truly brings you joy. Is it the hug of a grandchild? Is it the faithfulness of your dog, your companion, your dog? Is it going for a good long drive in the country? You know, whatever your thing is, you know, if it brings you joy, let it happen. Let it happen. And then when the fear creeps in, the sadness creeps in, remember the joy. And maybe you have to think back to times before somebody was forever gone and think about the joys you had with them too. Because joy never dies. Until next podcast, may the good Lord bless you.